Hello, everyone. I'm Colin Tesla of Wrestling.com. I'm joined by John Clark tonight to talk about WWE Monday Night Raw. John, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm wearing red. You're wearing red. We got the red going on for Raw tonight. Unlike last time when you were wearing the blue for SmackDown, but Robert wasn't wearing the blue for SmackDown. Correct. I got you tonight. I got the red on. You got the red on. <laughs> I remember the first time I think Robert and I did the SmackDown show. I think like one of us was wearing green or like it was something like really, really clashing. But here we are. We're wearing red for Raw. Off to a good start with that, at least. Um, Boy, wow. Just uh, This is one of those shows, everybody, that uh, between the stuff that happened on the show and the stuff that happened outside the show like, over the weekend and even earlier today, lots of news items, uh, perhaps casting a, I don't know, some kind of aura over the show, I guess. It, for me, it just kind of, it was one of those shows for me that's a little hard to get into in that sense. I'm sure we'll talk about some of those things. Bray Wyatt, Ric Flair, all these things uh, just kind of hanging over the show. And yes, Neshker saying right off right off the bat here, the show dragged tonight. Um, granted, it's a three-hour show. The odds of it not dragging, pretty low. But there, this is one of those nights that it, that it dragged, uh, let's say, more than usual. So we'll get into it before we do. Just want to remind you all of this show, like everything we do here at WrestleZone, is available on any number of streaming platforms or at SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, uh, podcast, whatever it may be. We've got you covered. So, John, let's work backwards here. We knew tonight, based on uh, the end of last week's show, we were going to get a rematch between Charlotte Flair and Nikki A.S.H. Uh, Non-title match, you know, last week Charlotte won. Nikki challenged her to to a rematch to prove that she is indeed almost a superhero. Uh, at some point in the last couple of days, got changed to a no-holds-barred match to shake it up a little bit. Um, right before the match went on, they announced that it would be a, a championship con uh, contenders match which makes no sense because Charlotte already has a title match for SummerSlam along with Rhea Ripley. Uh, she, the, the two of them will face uh, Nikki A.S.H. In, in a triple threat match. So, so I don't know what, what this whole, uh, you know, fascination with the, the championship contender matches is, but uh, that's what it was, whatever, whatever it may be. But I thought this was a good match. All right. I'm not going to knock that. And again, more often than not, we find ourselves saying it's about the booking or it's about this or that, the other thing. Uh, match was good. Table spots. Crowd was hot. The crowd wanted tables. They got tables. Uh, in the end, Nikki Ash won. Um, so uh, good for her. They got she got that win back. Uh, Ray Ripley was watching in the back. You know, now she really reported there. John, maybe more than usual tonight, at least with this Nikki Ash character, I had the thought of like, why? Why is it almost a superhero? Like, wouldn't you want to? be a superhero like she she cut a promo before the match and she was like i want to prove that that i am almost a superhero by beating charlotte flair and that struck me as odd and maybe that's just a delayed reaction but that that kind of like stuck in my craw a little bit but overall here john what do you think about this main event match where we're proceeding with this this triple threat and the general like let's say i guess it's the raw women's title scene at this point yeah so i mean the the title scene itself, I would say, is okay. In, in fact, um, all three of these female superstars that are currently in the, the title on here, uh, I actually have all three of these ladies in the top 10 of uh, our, univer or, yeah, our universal rankings, uh, top 25 there. Uh, you know, Nikki and Charlotte uh, are, are seven and eight, Charlotte being seven and Nikki being eight. But to, to go off of what you said, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I mentioned about uh, Nikki here. I wouldn't consider it a good thing when your champion says that they are almost good enough to be at the top of the division. 
and, and like I said, this whole gimmick I just think is getting more weird by the week. And thinking about just that they main evented again this week, uh, I do agree the match itself it was pretty good, all things considered. Um, I really thought Charlotte was going to win, not, not going to lie there. Uh, Nikki winning, look, the... I don't think this is making it past SummerSlam. I'm sorry, but I I really don't think Nikki's going to make it out of SummerSlam still the champion. Uh, you know, Ripley's involvement tonight with she had a match, but her involvement with this feud tonight backstage, uh, I got the implication that she was going to interfere in, in, in some way because she was saying like, well, it's no disqualification. Anything can happen there, you know? So I thought, well, she was going to get involved somehow. Um, you know, she's getting another opportunity at the belt. She has the support. She, out of all three of these ladies, she has the most support to win the title back. Like Stephen Chambers says, uh, Charlotte should win this SummerSlam, building up against Becky for Survivor Series. Of course, the news surfacing today that Becky doesn't appear to be returning until possibly the draft in October. So those of you that are, are, are waiting for the moment they're going to pull the trigger on that, we thought, and we still do think the earliest that could even happen is SummerSlam. Doesn't look like that's going to happen now. But as far as tonight's main event goes, the match itself was good. The storytelling is okay, I guess. But I don't think Nikki's making it out with the title of SummerSlam. And if I had to pick at this point, I would honestly think that Charlotte probably wins. I mean, we talked about that last week where it feels like at least part of the mentality is to, to have just to rack up her title reigns. And this is an easy way to do that, have her lose the title in a day like that. Um, Ray Ripley regained titles also a possibility, like you just mentioned here. Stephen Chambers uh, suggesting Charlotte could win to kind of build up a match with Becky. I think that's possible, especially if if the the rumor or the report being true that Charlotte will be, uh, or sorry, that Becky won't be coming back until October. Uh, maybe a bit of more of a long term play there, but Nesh uh suggesting or predicting that Becky will go to SmackDown. Nesh has been saying that for weeks now. Um, <laughs> And an and interesting comment from Jesse, too. He says, are all matches the champions are involved in going forward going to be called contenders matches? And if so, shouldn't Charlotte losing tonight put her place in the triple threat in jeopardy? I do think the first part is true for now. I think all champions involved in matches will be, will be called contenders matches. But I think they'll quickly scrap this idea like they've done with, you know, Raw Underground, things like that. I don't think this will last too long. And then he says, you know, should Charlotte's place in the match be put in jeopardy? Whether it should or not leaves a lot to be answered. Will it, though? I mean, clearly not. She'll still be in this match. And then, like you said, with uh, Nesha saying that uh, Becky could go to SmackDown. Well, with the draft, who knows yeah, who's going to end up where at that point? <laughs> I like that. I like the idea from Jessica that like the they could use the, these championship contender matches to add some stakes. I think one of the big problems with the Raw a lot of the time is that. The matches don't have stakes to begin with. Then you get rematches over and over again. Matches, rematches with no stakes. Like it is just this constant, like kind of a treadmill of just like the same stuff over and over again. If you add stakes like that, you know, if there was this, you know, outcome that the Charlotte losing, even if, if it's just the thought that, oh, you know, maybe it'll jeopardize that her spot, like Jesse's saying, you know, then you, then that's something you can kind of do to, you know, spice up the story a little bit. But, you know, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I, I I do like the idea. I, I think there's some merit to it. Uh, Jeremy Hansen saying, save Becky's return for the Royal Rumble. I mean, at this point, it feels like they're just dragging it out. 
Um, or not, I won't say they're, they're dragging on. Maybe Becky isn't in a rush to come back. Like, who even knows at this point? It, it is impossible to say exactly what's going on there. Um, I, I hope, I, we've been saying for weeks now, I hope she'll be back soon, uh, soon-ish. You know, October, thankfully, isn't too, too far away. Uh, if, if she does come back in the draft, um, obviously, we're, we're doing the Raw show. So, season hopefully she'll come back to Raw. I think she could have a number of, you know, good directions on SmackDown, but I think WWE needs her one way or another. So whatever show she does end up on. So, uh, but no, I think we are on the same, the same page. This this title reign, good for Nikki Cross, Nikki SH in this case. It is very much being presented. To me, it feels like it's kind of like comedy, like borderline comedy title run. Um, and I, I definitely do think it's it's temporary in that sense. I don't, uh, John, like you were saying, I don't, I don't see really lasting that much longer, you know, beyond SummerSlam. I think that's probably going to be the thing, the, uh, the shelf that's really got. But I guess we're on subject. Might as well jump over to another thing that happened with the women's title match. Well, because we're talking about the women's title match, we got Ray Ripley facing Nia Jax. Uh, Nia Jax got busted open here. Uh, pretty brutal. I'm not quite sure exactly what happened. But Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax backstage. And John, I literally tweeted about it. I said, if you had told me back in January that Shayna Baszler and, and Nia Jax would still be together, in august i my back then my head probably would have exploded because like i was saying back then that i was tired of it you know i guess at that point they they'd already been together for maybe that was probably going on four months now and now we're we're, John, we're almost at a year if you think i think what they probably paired up right around class of champions last year yeah so that is crazy to me because i've been saying for a long while now I'm done with it i don't want it um, but and but yeah, a glimmer first. of hope tonight yes yes <laughs> To go more of hope, just Madison. They tease the breakup, and I, I tweeted about. It. I was like, "They're so close, just do it!" Like they, 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 uh, 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 they did the classic thing. Oh, and an accidental distraction um, from Shayna. Nia lost. Very Ripley won. They said they argued after the match, and then Shayna stormed away. So I think we're finally like we're 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 right there. Oh, WWE. They obviously they they are gonna hit you over the head with it when it happens. So until they quite literally break up, I'm not satisfied. He's like, I, I just want to be like certain that they were done um but man and Stephen Chamber saying maybe we we are finally seeing the breakup and yes it is most definitely time um you know I thought this was a good match surprisingly like I, I think it's no secret people have been critical of Nia Jax I've probably said a critical thing or two about her in the past but I thought this was a pretty good match a nice clash of styles you know Ray Ripley and Nia Jax two very different performers so that was pretty good uh in this case you've got Nikki Nikki winning the main event you've got Ray Ripley winning here so two-thirds of that that triple that match we we're just talking about getting some momentum there so that's pretty good um I guess we should spend some time talking about the atmosphere for the show at least in the arena right was, of course even before the show started there was the very valid concern or prediction that there would be cm punk chance it was in chicago at the united center obviously cm punk's backyard then you factor in all the buzz about cm punk right now beyond the normal reaction that yes usually and any chicago show that'd be a thing but no of course all the aw buzz was a thing then john be on top of the cm punk stuff then you've got bray wyatt getting shockingly released this weekend and uh, there were several, or I think multiple, I'll say, Bray Wyatt chants tonight at various points. And then, don't forget, it's like 3 a.m. this morning, and the news breaks that Adam Cole is going to be a free agent in a month, or not even a month. Wow. So, uh, of course, um, but there was all kinds of stuff circulating. And, and this isn't basically anything is 
in play when we're in Chicago. And tonight was just icing on the cake with everything going on. So um, don't fret because I did keep track. We had five. And, and it's interesting because I said we would have around four and a half. And we had five. Spot on. Spot on. We had five chance, uh, three CM Punk chance. One, uh, it was, I think, We Want Wyatt or We Want, I think it was We Want Wyatt chance. So. And then uh, I'm not, I don't remember what the fifth one was. I think it was something to do with, oh, I think they were training We Want Becky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When Charlotte was in the ring the first time. So we had five, uh, what you would call, attempts to take over the show uh the first cm punk chant had a little bit of you know momentum behind it the the next two didn't weren't really unless they maybe muted the crowd uh i i heard a lot of people talking tonight about how oh well they're muting the crowd well people were posting videos on twitter too and it didn't feel like they were muting the crowd the momentum behind these chants just didn't have a lot going on so to those people that said well they were muting the crowd I don't think that was the case, but I do agree there were some very obvious moments where they were piping in crowd noise, one of which was when they forgot to remove the commentary as well. So you had Michael Cole saying, like, 16-time champ. They obviously pulled audio from the crowd cheering John Cena making an entrance and forgot to remove Cole's commentary. That was when Drew McIntyre was coming out. Uh, right. And then, of course, just the summer, and Nesha, I was not there. I, I was not in Chicago. Um one other thing to point out, uh, yes, they were selling Bray Wyatt merch tonight at full price, $35. The same shirt that they released at Money in the Bank that was brand new has never been actually seen by Bray Wyatt yet that they have been selling since Money in the Bank, and they continued to sell tonight, and like I said, for full price. Uh, but he does now have some merchandise for 25%. Those of you that were, remembered he had his own title belt, that is like 25% off on the store right now. So they are starting to, you know, warehouse, clear out all this stuff. So uh, as far as the crowd goes tonight, um, I, I do think sometimes they get a little bit of unfair heat because this isn't something that you see at an AEW show. People don't chant for WWE. People don't chant for John Cena or Roman Reigns. But the AEW fan base is so like that that specific audience that is the hardcore fans. There is no such thing as a casual AEW fan base. They're all hardcore. And as much as people want to say WWE doesn't have casual fans, they do have casual fans that only watch for reasons like Goldberg, John Cena, stuff like that. So, And I think that's why the hardcores go to these Chicago events and they just say... It's a form of protest if you think about it. Like, they're chanting CM Punk. Why? I mean, they, I mean they've been doing it for years. It kind of died down. But I think it's a form of protest, you know, like you can do better. You could have gotten better and you chose not to. You said that he wasn't worthy of this anymore. And he clearly is. He's not even advertised for an AEW event. And he was the reason that Rampage sold out in five minutes today. And there's no guarantees he's going to even be there. Yep. So he's still a draw. Uh, Colin, your, your, your quick thoughts on the, the whole audience situation tonight and the attempted attempted takeover that really wasn't an attempt to take over but what people say i mean 
I think I talked about it a little last week, but now we're at this weird point where like watching it's especially raw. SmackDown isn't quite as I don't know as much, but that's still it's still a dynamic there where it's like I'm constantly kind of questioning like, is this the actual chant? Is this being piped in? Um and really I didn't even catch the uh the, the way you're talking about having the micro quality, or I didn't, you know, I may have missed that part, but um, just like even on just if you like log on to Twitter, you're constantly seeing people say, Oh, they're piping this in, or they're they're drowning this out, or whatever. Like, then it's like it just kind of makes it hard to tell. Um, people like to assume, well, when it's not fitting their narrative, then they say, Oh, well, they must be pumping an audio, they must be pumping in booze because there's that expectation that the crowd's going to take over the show and yeah. boo everybody. So when that doesn't happen, they're like, Oh, well, they must have been blocking it out. Well, I mean, Chicago still, they were cheering pretty, and we'll talk about this next, they were cheering pretty heavily for Goldberg. I mean, yeah. he's still over, and people are thinking, well, they're going to boo Goldberg. They did kind of when he was talking, but they were behind him on his entrance, and he got a pretty big pop. He did, and not like perfect segue. That was the weird thing where, like, I think, yeah, I guess he, he got a pretty good cheer when he came out, then he got booed a little bit. Uh, when, they, when MVP said Goldberg's name, they booed. And yep. then it was weird to kind of combination. Um, but I mean, it's funny. I've wrote, I've talked about this with Robert on the SmackDown show. Goldberg didn't, I was, I think it was on his podcast and he compared his match with Lashley to, I think he called Lashley Godzilla and he, he compared himself yes. to like a geriatric King Kong or something like yes. that. And then yep. on commentary tonight, the, um, Feel like maybe Jimmy Smith or Byron Saxon called Bobby Lashley a kaiju, like a big bad monster. I think that's just yeah. something that people have called uh, Godzilla. I'm like, and I just kind of laugh, like, they're actually kind of going with this, like, you know, um, you know, kind of monster movie esque thing, although not maybe not monster movie, but you know what I mean. But, um, basically, here I did find it kind of interesting, is not the right word, but ba if you really boil it down, both world title programs for Unreal and SmackDown are using. A very similar story, not the same. We did not get a hijacked contract signing on, on the Tonight Show, but uh, basically, it's you know, part timer or veteran, whatever you want to say, uh, calls champion scared, champion wants to prove veteran wrong, so that we have a match. You know, that, that's really what it boils down to. Um, again, you know, for me, I'm not the biggest fan of Goldberg. I can I can certainly respect that. Yes, he he got this good reaction. People, you know, he does get the he does attract the casual fans, and um, you know, there, there's some of stuff that I understand that. For me, though, you know, again, I I I I, I wanted to see any any number of other things. You know, a, a younger a younger star getting a shot, or granted, obviously at SummerSlam, you want to sell the event. So I, I understand the reasoning there. That's why they had Drew McIntyre face Goldberg back the old Rumble. Like I understand it. I don't have to like it. Um, but basically, MVP said, you know, this is Bobby Lashley's Coliseum. They're talking about gladiators and stuff. That's what Jess Matt is saying. Um, and then, yeah, there was some kind of overlap where, like, and Goldberg's like, oh, you're, you're a gladiator, but this isn't your Coliseum in Chicago. Like, Goldberg, he's, he's never going to win, win an award for his promo ability. Like, that's not what he's known for. That's not what he does. Um, that's fine. But, you know, now this was the first time we've really had this match sold in terms of an actual story. And I guess the story is that, like I said, Goldberg's just trying to prove that Lashley is scared of him. Lashley wants to show that he's not. And that's that's really it. Um and then uh, I, should, I should point out Goldberg's son Gage was in the crowd. So once Goldberg said, again, you're next, it is his usual stick. He left. Lashley and MVP kind of confronted uh, confronted Gage. And then MVP was trash talking Gage, Goldberg's son. Goldberg comes out, spears MVP. 
And just for that reason alone, I guess, Ashley said it later in the show, oh my God, I'm going to annihilate you. So we, the match got confirmed. We're definitely proceeding with this as if there's really any doubt. But um, I don't know. I, I, needless to say, I, I am much more excited for Rowan Reigns and John Cena than, than for this. Um, because a, a match between Godzilla and Geriatric King Kong is not exactly up my alley. John, what do you think? Oh, it'll be fine. This strikes me as the kind of match, and I've said this before, and for the most part was decently right. Uh, this this is the kind of match that can open up SummerSlam, I think, because uh, we're clearly this is clearly isn't going to main event or even go on anywhere near probably near the end of the show. Uh, and there is still that. L- let's be honest. Goldberg's only contracted to wrestle two matches per year until 2023. So it's very, very unlikely that he wins. But, but Goldberg has that history of winning these kind of matches and then losing his next defense. So there is a chance that he possibly could win this. I mean, they they clearly want Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar to have a match. But there's some either communication block or disagreement or something where... They wanted Lesnar to work more matches than he wanted to, or whatever. So they haven't they haven't come to an agreement yet for him to come back. But I still think they're holding out hope that that could be the plan, and it really has to be because look, if you're going to have Bobby go over Goldberg, you have at least one more pay per view that you need to do something with Bobby before the draft. And Drew already can't have a, a title match. And I mean, I guess maybe Keith Lee, but the, the point is they're running out of options. They are, I would agree. And I think whenever they run out of options, that's why we end up where we are now. That's why you see Goldberg. John Cena is different, right? That's that is that is a dream match. There's a lot more, you know, reasoning to do that. Like if people, I don't want to say people want to see that match, but like that, it's different, right? With Warriors with Goldberg, you know, there is some level of, um, I guess if you look at it from WWE's perspective, reliability or, or, you know, just ease because you can rely on the fact that the casual fans or or whatever, they'll they'll buy into that. Um, But yeah, I I think that, you know, that's that's largely the narrative surrounding SummerSlam and moving forward. It's like, yeah, you've got Goldberg, you've got Cena, Edge, these other, you know, part-timers or veterans, whatever. You're gone for now, but then you you know you could go into the fall, and that's definitely a valid concern for Bobby Lashley. I don't know who is after Goldberg. I would assume he would win, but exactly. Um, we are get several comments suggesting that Goldberg could win, and then have Biggie cash in on him, and then you set up Biggie versus Bobby Lashley. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, I'm not, but I think they kind of book themselves in a corner in that sense because you know anytime you have a Money in the Bank one, you're like. Nikki Ash, like, yeah, she cashed in on Charlotte Flair. You know, that's a little different. I you really, I would not expect to see Biggie like cash in on Goldberg and then feud of Bobby Lashley. Like, there's something kind of a missing there. Like, sure, that that does make sense. Um, but I mean, obviously, there could be a situation like the heist of the century where Rollins made it a triple threat. So if Biggie wanted to make it a triple threat, but I think we're we're due for a long Money in the Bank run. And I think that they would want Big E to actually be on Raw before he just cashed on a Raw guy because then it wouldn't make sense. And I think they would want to say this for like the main event too. And this match isn't main eventing. There's still, and I've been talking about this with uh, quite a few people about how SummerSlam could potentially end. 
the general thought is, well, Roman Reigns is going to be John Cena, but then what's going to happen after that? Is he just going to stand tall over the over standing over him? Is somebody going to come out or like what's going to happen? So this match here is definitely being looked at as an undercard match, and I think it, it should be. There's not really been a a, a build up. His son looks so much different than the last time we saw him, doesn't he? Right. I was going to ask. I was going to say about that. I saw a couple, uh, you know, good amount of comments on Twitter saying, like, could we see Gage Goldberg's son, like, get the the dominant stereo treatment? You know, Gageberg. There you go. Right itself, man. You know, I and the, the people joking about WWE being like a family business. Plenty of, uh, not even like people literally following in their parents' footsteps, but plenty of you know kids or or children being brought in the storyline. But mm. I mean. Hey, he, he 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 grew up, you know. He, he looks, you know, I won't say he looks like a wrestler, but he, he I mean, he kind of looks like the way Dominic did, right? It's like you could believe that. Uh, it, who knows, right? I guess I, I, I'll anything, tell you, he definitely doesn't look 15, and he's only no, 15. That's crazy. I did not yeah. know that actually. Yeah, he's 15. I looked it up after it happened, and yeah, he's only 15 years old. So, uh, and he did, and I know I noticed people saying that he looked like he didn't want to be there. He was probably nervous. This was really his first time actually like doing something, even though all he was doing was like sitting there and looking at MVP. But yeah. still, when you know that there's at least a million and a half people watching you, it can be a little nerve wracking. So, yeah, it, 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 it was whatever. So <laughs> that that was fine. Challenge accepted later in the night. Uh, I don't have any, you know, Goldberg. He is in the Universal Top Twenty Five. He's only twenty one, but I mean. I'm sure he could climb heading into SummerSlam. Look, here's the question that needs to be considered. Uh, There are only two more Raws until SummerSlam. Do you think he will be at both one or neither? He got uh, – he is advertised for – I think it's the go-home show. I remember. So that would be the 16th. 16th, Okay, and that's – I forget where that's at, but – I think yeah. it's somewhere in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Next um, week is in Orlando. He's not advertised for that. And the week after is in San Antonio. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe next week they'll do promos or something or who even knows. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be, he'll be at least on one what the go-home show. This is the last we'll, we'll see of him before SummerSlam. Um, but that that, that is – that's just how it goes. You're not the, when you have a guy like Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, you're not, you're not going to see them on every single show. Um, and that's part of the problem. That's why part, you know, there is this kind of uh, resistance or negative. Kind There's of a gripe about part-timers. Yeah, yes, exactly. So, um, you know. I With SummerSlam, to be fair, the three biggest matches are they have part-timers. You got Edge, you got yep. John Cena, and you got Goldberg. Yeah, I will say at least, you know, Edge, you know, he he's he's a different kind of part-timer where it's like yeah because he signed on for he's like a streaky guy like he'll show up for three months but he'll be there every week and then he'll go away so So, i do agree that's a little different um and that there's something we said for that where they are really relying on on that you know the, the older generation in that sense and yet again that kind of speaks to the classic narrative about WWE not building new stars and not being able to really rely on people in the present having to kind of rely on some of those old older or or you know names from the past to kind of sell this big this, this show um you know there, there's somebody said for that you know yeah it's thankfully you know Nesker saying she doesn't want part-timers with the title I mean Edge and Seth Rollins it's non-title 
I keep thinking a match like that kind of seems like Seth Rollins' match to lose. I really don't think Goldberg's going to win. Like at the end of the day, if you like, if I really had to like sit down and predict it, yeah, you know, WWE makes they do some weird things sometimes, and and you could I, again, we're talking about the contract and then this part time status. I just I really don't think they would do that, right? But they built up Bobby Lashley so well. Uh, I don't think that SummerSlam is the end for him. So, you know, thankfully, I think that'll be, this will be a nice, like, kind of, you know, signature win for Lashley. And then we could, whatever is next, you know, it might, it might be a, a transitional feud. Maybe they'll get something bigger for him for Survivor Series. I don't know. Um, but well, I kind of have to wait and see about what happens with there. Um, speaking of words on the title, uh, subject of the title scene, which we might as well talk about the United States Championship. We saw a match between Damian Priest and John Morrison tonight. This was a. I guess revisitation of a feud that lasted for several months. Of course, over this year we had the Miz and John Morrison versus Damian Priest, and at the time Bad Bunny, uh, Sean Acoff saying that John Morrison ate the pin twice tonight. I thought he was starting to pick up steam in the last month, but I guess not. Yes, Priest pinned Morrison after a segment of Miz TV, and I thought I thought you know at least what we've seen of Priest on Raw. This is a pretty nice promo. We used to call them bullies, and you know he called John Morrison a sidekick, kind of hinting at that. Uh, and then, so he beat, he beat Morrison in a singles match. Sheamus attacked him because they've been setting up Priest versus Sheamus. Johnny and I have been talking about that for months now. So thankfully they're finally doing that. Then Ricochet comes out, setting up a tag team match. Uh, and in the end, Priest pinned Morrison in that one as well. So yes, not a good look for Morrison, but at the same time, Damian Priest very quickly kind of rising up the ranks here. And many comments, several comments here saying Priest needs to be United States champion. Nesh saying that, Stephen Chambers saying that. Absolutely. I mean, I've, we've been saying that for months at this point. So now we're, it seems like we're finally getting that uh, as a distinct possibility, if not probability. Sheamus has been doing great work. And I think, you know, if these guys get some nice time at SummerSlam, they could put on a great match. But I really do think it's the right call, the right time to put the title on Priest. Because like, we're, like I was just saying, that, you know, this is how you, you know, start to kind of uh, you know, build up those new names and Grand, ironically, Priest is a little, a little older, relatively. I think he's probably, I think he's thirty-nine. But yeah, in terms right. of you know new names, at the very least, you know, not relying on the same characters, you know, that you're something set up for that. Yeah, I mean, Ricochet coming out was a little weird. I know there was a little history there with Sheamus, but still, tonight it was like kind of unexpected. Uh, they really got carried away tonight with the Miz and and Morrison stuff with the whole drip moist <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, I did like the yeah. one spot where um, Miz like wet the floor with the drip stick, and then Morrison slid Ricochet on the water, like on the you know, like yeah. almost like a slide up on the sky. Yeah. Grant, I I thought I think the drip stick is very very dumb, but if you find kind of an organically cool ways to kind of work it in like that, rather than just like constantly throwing in drip and moist and whatever and and know. it's fine and i guess it's all right but a concern is sheamus ever since wrestlemania i mean I, literally at one point after wrestlemania sheamus was in the top five of our our rankings just because he was on fire he was dominating he won very handily at wrestlemania and they looked like they were going to, even his promos off of WrestleMania, he was like, you know, I'm a fighting champion, but the champion's not going to be on the line. I mean, it was entertaining. He was actually fighting. And then this stuff sort of with Humberto Carrillo and Ricochet, and then he got hurt and broke his nose, and then he wasn't on TV. To Now he's like, he, he's been hovering around 20 the past couple of weeks. He's actually at 20 this week. And his momentum has just been on a downward spiral. Similarly... Uh, to the mid-card champion of SmackDown, Apollo Crews, who has also been losing momentum in the past couple months. 
and it's almost like we're on the same timeline. Like both of these guys are likely losing their titles very soon. Apollo and Sheamus both. Uh, Sheamus probably to Damian Priest at SummerSlam. I would be very surprised if Sheamus retained the title. Um, of course, on the SmackDown side of things, we're probably going to get some kind of multi-man big match at SummerSlam, but um, it doesn't look good for Sheamus retaining his, his title, but he is somebody that is a viable threat for a main title. The reason that that doesn't make sense is that he's a very strong heel, as is Bobby Lashley, and that doesn't make sense. Right. Sheamus has proven to be capable of being babyface in the past, but he's much better like as the work he's been doing recently with kind of like this bar Irishman, not just like a, a classic Irishman you would see. But uh, yeah, this match isn't official. I expect it to be official maybe even next week. Uh, you would agree that Damien's probably going to win the title? Yeah, I would think so. It feels like they're heading for a, a singles match, but I had a similar thought as Michael Kent in the comments saying, uh, or predicting Morrison versus Ricochet versus Sheamus versus Priest for the title. You were just saying about the SmackDown side of a multi-man match. I think it's also a possibility for Raw. I mean, it feels like they are kind of more setting up a singles match there. Um, but with tonight with the tag team match, I mean, it, it, it's pretty easy to see, uh, you know, connect, 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 connect the dots there. Uh, Nush Curse saying Ricochet could be a good U.S. champ as well. I mean, I back 2019, I thought Ricochet was great. Can't, you know, burst on the scene. It had a really nice run on the mid card on Raw. I liked him a lot. And then that just the, the wheels kind of fell off. The booking, he couldn't cut promos. The what the least the ones they wrote for him. Uh, and of course, then he got squashed by Brock Lesnar, and here we are. He's just now finally kind of like finding his groove a little bit again. But then, the, the, then again, during on the road, the money in the bank, he cut weird promos about trying to like be cool and like rap and stuff. I don't even know. But um, no, I think Ricochet, like I'd like to see him get another run, but right now it does strike like the money is on Damien Priest. So I definitely see that. Uh, something else I thought we'd be seeing tonight we did not see was Randy Orton. Randy Orton, uh, last week Johnny and I talked about, felt like the writing was on the wall, show in Chicago. You know, literally the, it felt like last week was the time to do it. You know, they had uh, AJ Styles and almost beat down a riddle. And then Randy Orton could have come out right there and didn't. So then I think you and I both literally said, uh, hey, maybe they'll, you know, do do that in Chicago and make it a, you know, a nice, you know, Chicago pop. Instead, no Orton. I think that uh, unfortunately for me, I, I saw someone uh, had reported before the show, no signs of Orton. And I thought that may have been a red herring, but no Orton, no Randy Orton. Uh, almost dominated Riddle in a singles match. Absolutely just like beat him very decisively, not, not much to it. Uh, which to me kind of speaks highly of almost in terms of how they view him because Riddle, former United States champion, one of the guys that's been really thriving on Raw, being he's actually been booked pretty well. Um, so I thought that was kind of surprising. No AJ, no AJ Styles either, uh, but I was definitely... Yeah, that was a shock, I thought. Yeah, but I, I was I was surprised that there was no Randy Orton either. I thought that we would get, uh, get Randy Orton turning and then... Um, still not really sure what's going on there. You know, I, I had heard that they... I thought I remember seeing a report about it, and I guess he took some time off, and they there's yeah, I guess there's like some obstacle about like what him coming back on time for SummerSlam, and that they had plans. Now they kind of had to change those. I don't know, John. For weeks and weeks, and I have thought that we would be getting uh, Styles and almost versus RK Bro, but now time's running out, so I don't know what where we're going from here. But I'm not sure if it's RK Bro or not. At least in the short term. <sighs> 
yeah, in the short term, this is definitely not going to be SummerSlam anymore, which is all summer what we thought was going to be SummerSlam. Uh, but this is very an interesting ap- approach because uh, Riddle is being booked to lose every week now. Uh, and basically they're kind of building up to the fact where like he needs Orton to help him. But where is Orton at? Uh, we The only thing we know about Orton is that he's not hurt and there's no bad blood between him and WWE. That's all we know. So we can assume it's maybe still a, a summer vacation of some sort. Um, this will still be a tag match, I think, whenever he comes back. Whenever that may be. But SummerSlam is intriguing now because... I mean, they could do Riddle versus AJ Styles and like, a, you know, they've done this before where it's been a one-on-one match, but it's still been for the tag titles anyway. Yeah. I don't like when they do that because it's the tag title is supposed to be two-on-two, not one-on-one, right. but it's happened before. Um, if they could somehow put some other stipulation on this, okay, fine. The, the fact of the matter is you can't, you can't have SummerSlam and not have AJ Styles or Riddle on the card. The past three, uh, Raw's been on the road three weeks now, and two of the three weeks at least, Riddle has gotten the largest pop of the audience of the night. Uh, like literally tonight and last week, the crowd went nuts for him. Uh, and when he came out for his entrance, and it, the, the the gimmicks just very good, very entertaining. Me and you were both very skeptical when it first started. It was kind of stupid. We thought Riddle needed to turn into a heel. Uh, it was just this dopey guy that didn't make any sense, but he really has turned a corner and now he has the support of almost everybody. People find it funny consistently. They look forward to watching it every week. It's not something that people just think, what, what's he going to say that's stupid now? I mean, they still, they still do say that, but right. I mean, in a different sense. Yeah. So, but I think Orton definitely makes him better and more entertaining. I mean, He's saying that he got the soul of Randy Orton in his body, and he's talking to Damian Priest about he referring to his scooters as stallions in the stable, and like one can only imagine what they're what what he's doing in these creative meetings to think about this kind of stuff to say. Um, but yeah, like like Sean said, Riddle is one of the best things on Raw, and he's really what got the crowd at least somewhat back into it tonight. Which for Chicago, even though they did, we talked about them trying to take over the show. For Chicago, it was a relatively dead crowd. Uh, I don't expect that at all for when AEW comes into town later this month to be dead at all like that for more than even five minutes. And tonight it was like a good half hour and nothing. Yeah, I will say, you know, kind of maybe to not to ex- explain it away, but or just to share my thoughts about it. You know, the 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 first hour was rough because we had uh, Lashley's promo, then Goldberg responded. Then the first match after that was Drew McIntyre versus Veer and Shanky. Uh, oh, gosh. And you could pretty easily tell, like, all right, we're going to go with something kind of wonky here. And we did. Jinder Mahal attacked uh, McIntyre with a chair, so it ended up with a disqualification. Uh, and then Drew McIntyre almost <laughs> murdered people on Raw because he, 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 he took out his sword and started swinging it around. He hit... Uh, Mahal with the one swung a chair at him, and then backstage, McIntyre was like, "Oh, no, I should, I should finish the job," like, as if he was going to kill them. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this man!" Yeah, this I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's weird to me because, like, are we supposed to believe? Like, it's I don't know. Something about it didn't didn't really sit right with me because, like, McIntyre 
you know, he's staring down a three-on-one beatdown. Mahal, Veer, and Shanky have chairs. And the commentators are like, oh, he should just run away. And McIntyre takes out a sword. And, like, are Mahal and Veer and Shanky supposed to actually believe that he'll use it on them? Like, they actually will, like, cut them? Like, yeah. You know, and, Jesse Mata is saying, yeah, Chicago's a bloodthirsty town. They're cheering. Like, McIntyre brought out the sword. And, I mean, people like the sword, I guess. But that is something a little weird to me that, you know, just like he's casually waving around the sword. Um, it was one thing, it's one thing when it's a prop for the entrance, so now it's like he's actually using his weapon. Like, it's easy to joke about that, but now it's actually kind of like doing it. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about that. But the fact that, like, for me, this was a weird, not weird, a slow, not great first hour. As I think after uh, McIntyre, Veer, and Shanky, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been. Um, Mason T-Bar versus Mansoor Mustafa Ali. And, you know, again, that's not like a great first hour kind of a match. You know, that, that's not going to really pick up what already had been a, a, you know, quiet crowd. I will say Mustafa Ali got a, a very good pop. He is from Chicago, so that's pretty cool. But he lost. He lost. Uh, the second week here for him and uh, Mansoor as a team, and I, I'm, I'm liking them as a team. I, I like you know, building them up organically. We saw them you know, kind of, will they or won't they as, as a team? Now they're a team, but they lost to a team that might as well be the, the Ascension 2.0. They literally have like the wastelands in their, you know, vengeance screen now. Um, so I didn't think that was necessarily great, but uh, there, there was, to me, the first hour was rough and maybe, so maybe that kind of took the crowd out of it. I thought the second hour was a little better. Uh, I, th- I'm, I, don't quite remember, but that may have been what we got Ripley and Jax, Michael Covenant saying that was a good match. Uh, and one of the only other real notable things what uh, to uh, point out is that Lily is alive. Lily is alive and well. The Lily Illusion we saw last week, uh, she distracted Eve Marie and uh, you know said that Lily Illusion is here. And then we saw uh, Tamita face Dewdrop. You know, do we know that Natalia is injured? So we're not quite sure what's going to happen with that. But uh, you know, kind of a, a, a mistimed distraction from Eve Marie cost to drop that match to me to one. And then uh, Bliss laughed at Marie and called her a loser. And then backstage, we saw um, do drop attack Bliss. And then Marie said, this is evolution. And literally, then if you're worried about not having enough special effects with the, the end of the Thunderdome era, don't you worry. Because we had, a, a, a you know, this backstage thing where Lily kind of sat up Undertaker style and, and laughed. So she's like, She's got a mind of her mind of her own. Um, man, I thought we were done with Lily, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know where where that's gonna go. Uh, look, we haven't really seen Eva Marie actually in a match yet, right? And to for this to be it, it's kind of like, I mean, clearly she's. I, I I would think she's not gonna win. How you involve? You know, do drop in this, and I, I did think for a brief second tonight that do drop was possibly going to turn on Eva Marie. I thought, yeah. well, we have that Chicago crowd; they're going to get behind. What would probably be here's the thing: when when this do drop and Eva Marie thing ends, there is no more do drop. She's going to go back to being Piper. Like that's just how it's going to be. I I really don't think she's going to stay as do drop after this. Uh, and then Eva Marie, uh, who knows what what she's going to do? The whole thing is. I wouldn't say confusing, but it's interesting in a way that it's very unpredictable because it's almost like 
you get that feeling that they had something else planned for Alexa Bliss, but then like that didn't pan out. So now she's doing this because I mean, she kind of needs something to do, but she really hasn't been doing anything. But yeah. she's another one of those characters that has been floating in, in between that twenty and twenty-five range of the of the rankings. This week she comes in at twenty-two. She just kind of like stuck. I mean, it, if you're on the top twenty-five, that's good because when you're on the top twenty-five, it means you're being utilized on TV. You're relevant. You're you're winning. You're popular. So being on the top twenty-five is good. But being stuck at that twenty-two, twenty-one, twenty number, it kind of means like you're in this holding pattern. But they're exposing you just enough where like they don't forget who you are. Yeah. So that's exactly what it feels like they're doing with Alexa Bliss, and of course. She gets on Twitter yesterday and posts that big long message, basically uh, thanking Bray Wyatt after the Fiend Bray Wyatt was released from WWE. She thanked him for basically, she's the reason why there is an Alexa's, what is it, playground that yeah. used to be Firefly Funhouse, that used yeah. to be Bray Wyatt, stuff like that. So, you know, just paying homage to that, I thought was pretty interesting. And yeah. uh, then there was obviously these false rumors going around that. Oh, Alexa Bliss has demanded her release now, which was not true at all. And that's what I mean by she's still a very public figure that's being talked about quite often. Yeah. I have, you know, thank, I mean, it's a crazy time. And, and that rumor definitely picked up steam. And thankfully, it seems to be there's no truth to it. You know, she's here, she's on Raw, still being uh, prominently featured in this odd uh or not i mean not odd just you know a, an interesting clash of personalities with even marie you know where like neither one's clearly the, the, the good guy i mean i think it's a little different so i'm intrigued i, I like this uh, this comment from michael kent saying lily versus chucky because of course i saw several commercials tonight on usa network uh for chucky you know, upcoming series about obviously the the horror movie doll uh, i there there's something pretty funny about that if they did like this crossover thing or you know trying to get the sponsor for you. I don't know. I feel like, hey, they they, they did the zombies. And trust me, backlash, crazy, crazy things have happened. Because uh, at least here, it's the USA Network. It's literally their network. So, uh, you know, I think there's some, some, something we said for that. Before but, I forget, I will mention that uh, tonight's Raw in Chicago, there was a dark match after the event, and it was the New Day defeating Bobby Lashley and MVP. So the same match we've been getting at these uh, the super shows. So the New Day was there tonight in the dark match. Interestingly enough, maybe we should briefly mention this. This was basically the first show since John Cena came back where he wasn't advertised and did not appear at. Right. I think they figured the, the Chicago crowd was going to have enough with the Goldberg and stuff like that. So no John Cena tonight. He'll be back on SmackDown this Friday in Tampa, Florida. Returning to Tampa just a month after they left Tampa. Now they're back to Tampa again for an actual crowd. Yeah. So, yeah, good dark match there. Uh, there was something else on Raw I wanted to point out that happened tonight on the show, and that was a 24-7 segment again. And let me tell you, you, you and when I say you people, I don't mean the people commenting, just the general, general <laughs> the, the universe of fans. You people are the reason why they're doing this, and do you know why? And I, I know you know why. Do you know why? Oh, I, I because people love flips. The, I think yes. the, the clip of him on YouTube was the most viewed clip from last week. Last right? week on Raw, out of every YouTube video they uploaded, the segment with Reggie and was it R-Truth last week? Yes. Yeah. Reggie and R-Truth had the most views on Tuesday morning. It was up to 1.4 million. And it was beating everything by at least 500,000 views. 
So, and this is something that can be related to non-wrestling fans because this isn't professional wrestling. This is flips. This is basically just entertainment. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to say gymnastics, but that's what Reggie does. It's kind of like gymnastics and he's flipping and he's not really punching at all. He's not fighting at all. And so they do it again on SmackDown. It's a success on SmackDown. It's, it gets, it didn't get as much views as Roman Reigns and John Cena did, but it still got a, a very high amount of views. It was with Chad Gable. Obviously, they, they did Chad Gable and Otis because they were from Minnesota and the show was in Minnesota. This tonight, they do it with Akira Tozawa. And it's funny, I was naming all these people. It could be R Truth again, it could have been Drew Gulak, it could have been Humberto Carrillo, Angel Garza. I forgot Akira Tozawa, and that's who it was. It was Akira Tozawa. He comes out. Uh, there wasn't really a match here. They were just kind of, you know, doing their gymnastic skit. And Reggie did a flip at the end and landed on like Akira's head. It was he definitely overestimated that flip, and yeah, he got the pin. And believe it or not, Colin, Reggie is in the top twenty-five. Are you kidding me? Universal rankings. John, <laughs> Reggie, what are you Reggie. Doing? Reggie is number 25 on the list that doing flips and jumps. I mean, listen, like, like, like you mentioned in, in the rankings themselves, it's not only about wins and losses. It's about popularity. It's about storylines and it's about exposure. Yeah. And Reggie is getting millions of views. He he's no longer French. He, he just pretended he was French <laughs> just so Carmelo would hire him. That was, right. you know, so now he's just, he's just Reggie. He's just, he's just a guy. And, and, a guy that's been doing flips. He's been impressive. He's winning. And I could see him holding this title for, I wouldn't say a couple months, but a, a while. And and I saw people were actually praising the fact that they're having matches for this title now. It's not just segments, but they're actually making meaningful ma I mean, they're not really meaningful because there's no really, there's no wrestling going on. It's just like we mentioned the flips and stuff. But um, what do you think about this whole reggie thing and him being he's getting spots on both raw and smackdown he's getting like five to ten minutes of each show what do you think all right pro the 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 title is being defended in actual matches again you know yes i mean on paper right they're not matches in terms of like they're not, they're not doing a headlock but i just mean like it's, it's a match not like a, a random roll up backstage um I like that. I think that's a step up in the right direction because for a while it was just the same old stuff with our truth and Akira Tozawa and a lot of the same old stuff like that. Uh, so at least Reggie, a new character in that scene that you could, you could, you know, I feel like there's there's a possibility that they could do, you know, well we're used to see with Drake Maverick, you know, what, what like 2019, do some more fun storytelling with this. They'd make, you know, some fun with it, do some clever things now, especially now with the live crowd back. I, mean, I think there's, there's some possibilities like that, but. Um, I think that's good. I like the fact that it's on Raw and SmackDown now because, in theory, it's supposed to be defended anytime, anywhere. I like that. Um, it seems a little weird that both on SmackDown and now Raw, they kind of were like, oh, Reggie will defend the title against you know this mystery opponent. And John McCure saying, it's like, oh, who's he going to be? And then it turns out to be nobody really like remarkable, right? It's not like, yeah. you know, there's on SmackDown, we kind of thought, oh, it might be the, an, an NXT call-up. Who even knows? And it was just Chad Gable. No, not going to Chad Gable. Ask him when you when you have... Hey, hey I knocked that one out of the park because before it even happened, I said, I said they're going to definitely need to get Chad Gable on the show, being that he's from Minneapolis. He's going to be in that match, and there you have it. It was Chad Gable that came out. 
Uh, and people thought it was going to be Otis. I'm like, it's not going to be Otis. That wouldn't be believable. Reggie yeah. can't beat Otis. But he, uh, but, but he can beat Chad Gable, who is the most underrated guy probably on SmackDown. And oh, yeah. he is the one guy that deserves you know more opportunities. I mean, he's that Brock Lesnar type, uh, that, ironically also from Minnesota, that was an actual wrestler that could win college championships and then went to WWE. He just hasn't gotten that opportunity. You know, that's you know not good luck for him. But yeah, yeah Reggie, it's it's been interesting. Yeah, uh, Nesh Chris and Reggie's over. He's doing great so far. Uh, getting some comments saying he's got great athleticism. You know, imagine like, him facing Ricochet. That'd be crazy. Uh, you know, if, in theory, if he like actually kind of puts in some work and uh, wrestles, right? I mean, I don't know what that would really look like, but I think there's there's some interesting possibilities there, even for you know, kind of a. Like if someone said, put him in the Royal 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 match. Have him, do, have him do some fun spots in that. I mean, I don't know. So I mean, I, I'm I, I just like it's it's somebody new in, in, in the twenty four seven title scene. It's something a little different, and I'm I'm optimistic. I think you know, especially now they they're kind of make, making his own character. They dropped the French the the fake French accent or whatever. Like I'm I'm curious. You know, I'm not like no, I can't say I'm like loving it, but I'm not disliking it either. So. Uh, one thing I haven't talked about yet, and I kind of want to use this to kind of pivot into a more of a general thing, because uh, where uh, someone said, "How is it possible that Reggie has uh, that?" Not finish with Nando. How does Reggie have a better win-loss record than the NXT champion to be on the main roster? So, Karrion Cross, he beat, he lost to Jeff Hardy week one. He beat Keith Lee week two. Now he lost to Keith Lee again, um, and again, Karrion Cross. This is very stripped down. This is not the Karrion Cross we that we still see on NXT. Like this is literally. He's on Raw on Monday, and it's one version of Karrion Cross. He's on NXT on Tuesday. It's another version of Karrion Cross. Ah, and this is one of those things. Like this is kind of a microcosm of like why I, I I've been like kind of just like down this whole show because like like I said, sort of the show. I I entered the show tonight uh, for what the Raw the, the Raw itself, and I I was down about Bray Wyatt. I was down about what, this mess is Adam Cole. Um, and again, just kind of this, this chip, chip, chipping away at, you know, my, my, um, I don't know, faith as a WWE fan. Like, you know, I, the first real, like in recent memory, the first real bad one was Aleister Black. Cause I really liked him and he got, he got real let go. And I was in AW doing great things. Uh, Andrade, another one, like this, this, this long line of people that I like and they get released. And that's just like, it, it, it beats away again and then bray wyatt a guy that i liked a lot that i thought the world of and they just release because of budget cuts like man it's and, like, and and we just saw their financial call where they they recorded like 46 and a half million of profit in the last quarter and that was without pretty much any fans except wrestlemania and they still came out 46 million ahead and yet they're firing people like Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, etc., because of budget cuts. Braun Strowman was only getting a million, and, and a guy, when I say only, this was this is like top ten for WWE. Right. But he was getting a million dollars a year, and they're reporting forty-six and a half million of profit in a quarter. And with their merch sales right now, for example, tonight, they are still advertising and willingly selling. Bray Wyatt's brand new t-shirt at the $35 price and he was fired yesterday and they're still selling the shirt. Does that make any sense? I mean, it's not even no. on clearance. They're, they're still producing this shirt. 
and of course there was rumblings that um, there was a disagreement because while WWE does own the Fiend name and brand, they don't own the Bray Wyatt name and brand. Right. They wanted to copyright Bray Wyatt, but Bray Wyatt said, no, you're not going to do that. And there was rumblings that maybe that's why he was held off TV for so long, and then now he gets fired. So he's free to use that name wherever he wants. And and like the comment from Lauren, I'm sure you're going to address this, add Ric Flair to that list. Ric Flair creatively unhappy also requested his release and was given it yeah i mean for me rick flair is of course a little different he's, a, he's an absolute legend see he's done it all see he's it not all. wrestling <laughs> not wrestling he he and even then like he's on a very like um auxiliary kind of role right he was he was hit like last we saw him he was really doing the charlotte lacey evans storyline reportedly he didn't like that i mean that's yes. pretty well known um you know, for, if he wants to, he could retire. If he wants to, he could go to AW. I don't know. I mean, to me, that one, I think a lot of people were upset about it because it's Ric Flair, right? He's, he's one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. Like, the, I, I significance, the significance behind that, if anything, is that Charlotte obviously still works for WWE. And now that her dad is gone and now that her, are, are they are they engaged or are they just dating? I think they're engaged. Yeah, but anyway, her and Andrade with Andrade now being in AEW, Charlotte is like one of those ones that's considered like a WWE lifer, like not going anywhere. I think recently she did sign a, a five-year contract. So she has at least four years left of this deal, but we know how people can be like, well, I want my release now. Yeah, There's been, you know, obviously rumors of, well, does, maybe there, is she going to want out now? I wouldn't think so, but that's just one of the rumors that goes around when, when somebody's released, it's related to somebody else that works there. Somebody... Uh, it instantly goes well. What about this person? Are they going to leave too? So like, yeah, that was that was interesting. But is there anything else about Raw that we didn't cover? I don't think there is. No. To sum it all up, friends, Fernando with a very insightful comment. Every week, Raw becomes more and more like watching a king who's fallen ill with madness, who is the instrument by which his empire has gone to ruins. That is very well said. What's uh, your rating then? I mean, just kind of based on that comment. That's. That's it in a nutshell. It's like it's this weekly. Uh, I don't know. Just like like I said, I think that for me this one was a little weird because just like feeling not so great about things overall. Um, man, I would my first and I saw Nestor Chris giving a six, and I kind of agreed with that. That might be a little high, but I'll go for a six. You know, I I don't want me overly harsh i'll go it's passable uh, no six is failing i'll go six it's fine it's fine it's all fine how are you john uh so last week it was a 3.75 right. as you all know uh this week we're gonna go a little higher to a five we're gonna give it a five tonight all right why uh, not that, higher or lower well uh, I kind of want to be smart and say we didn't get CM Punk, but obviously we weren't going to get CM Punk. Um, just laziness, I guess, and for something that's meant to be... I wouldn't say... I don't know how to word it. Just that it's its not like it used to be, in a way. Like I And look... The we're, it's almost like me and you are using the same excuse that they use. Where like, okay, it was bad, and then it was like, well, fans are coming back in, in middle of July, then it'll be better. 
well, that happened and that didn't work. Yep. So now, now the story is, well, we have the draft coming up in October. I'm sure that'll help, which I think that will help better than fans yeah. when they reshuffle the rosters and make things relevant. But keep in mind that we're already experiencing like record low ratings and a very highly anticipated football season is about to start, which has Monday night football. Uh, I think these ratings are are very very in danger of being like AEW level uh, come fall. Like I'm talking like 1.3, 1.4 million. Yeah. I think right now their record lows like 1.46, something like that. Yeah. Uh, like they that. since fans have come back, they have been around 1.8, 1.9. But yeah, this this isn't going to be uh, this isn't going to hang on much longer if things don't uh, turn around. I mean, just going off the comments here, Michael kind of giving it a 4.5, Stephen Chambers with a 6, Dan Greathouse with a 3, Jason Mount with a 6.25, Sean Nickoff with a 6.5, Ness just saying a, a 6 as well, Eddie Zahari with a 5.8 for Raw, 7 for the crowd, Laura Rock with a 5.4, and Kevin with a 5.4. So, I mean, the, and this is unfortunately like kind of a general pattern here where we are averaging like 6s, 5s-ish. I mean, Michael Covington giving a 7, so, you know, if, if, if you like it, if you're really enjoying it, more proud of you. I appreciate like good for you. Like good. Enjoy it. You know, enjoy wrestling. That's all we do here. Um, just for me, like I said, maybe if I just had felt a little better about some of the other things, more of a general thing, and I'd be able to kind of come into the show with a better mindset, I may have enjoyed it more. But Fernando Nando, let's end it with that saying, Raw was caught with your pants down in the middle of Wyoming winter, the 4.4. Yeah, I mean, not the best show, unfortunately. Fans coming back. It's not the magic cure-all that we may have kind of hoped it might be. Um, or And maybe uh, optimistically, you could just say that just a down week, and maybe it'll be a little better next week. But regardless, John, I'm down I'm down for this like you know, this show. I'm not feeling too great about it. But regardless, we're here every Monday trying to enjoy it, trying to enjoy it all, trying to help you all enjoy wrestling even a little bit more just by talking about it, sharing our thoughts. John, you'll be back here Tuesday night for NXT. The Dynamite Dudes to cover all things AEW, and they also do WCW written. They're the they lucky ones right now, to be honest. I think that every week, man, I'm like, I'd rather talk about AEW. I'd rather talk about... I'm not that far yet, but it might be soon. I I'm, I hate to say it on a Raw show, but I have like kind of like at least inched toward the, in terms of if we're talking a spectrum, I used to be pretty firmly to, like to the one side for WWE. Now I'm like at the very least much more in the middle. Um, and part of that, part of that's because people that I've liked, that I like have gone there. I, I really like And, and I'm not, I am not too far behind you. I'm still yeah. quite a ways behind you, but I'm not too far behind you. And we could spend a whole other hour talking about that, but you know, regardless, you know, if you want to hear about UW, turn this to two diamond dudes attitude. Robert Deeply is not talking about Friday Night SmackDown, usually on Friday, sometimes, sometimes Saturdays, kind of depends. But, and also, I agree with interviews constantly coming to you guys, whether it's uh, Bill, Pritchard, Bill Pritchard recently interviewing Matt Cardona, uh, he interviewed Mickey James. Just a great stream of news. Got to check it out. SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, our podcast, maybe we've got you covered. So, John, you know, a night like tonight. Made it hard to do what we do here on Zone. It was not the easiest to do it, but we try, right? We try, we try, we watch the show, we talk about the show. All the while, we're doing one thing, which we're trying to, no matter how good or bad the wrestling itself may be, we're trying to do one thing. And can you tell me what that is? Just got to appreciate it and take it all in and just get through it, suffer through it, but make sure that you're enjoying it. Indeed. Thanks for listening, everybody.